along with Chris. Konnichiwa. I'm not going to finish that phrase. So last time we uh, came to you, we were uh, on the cusp of Alex Petrangelo possibly leaving the Blues. Yep. More than likely leaving the Blues. Yeah. And we kind of figured it was happening. So, of course, you record. Things happen. He is gone the two days later. Yep. So, which kind of was figured. So we got that news. We got some bunch of NHL news ranging from Stuff affecting the Blues, like Winter Classic news, a uh, famous uh, announcer calling it quits, Yep, and uh, an interesting story coming out of Arizona today, which we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, first off, so Petrangelo leaving, so obviously it's a little past when uh, it happened, so I think it's a good thing that we kind of like didn't record right away. Sure. So you have that kind of like... a lot of information after the fact that's come out. Yeah, which is good, so it's good to kind of figure out things and not... Because we've obviously done podcasts when it's been based on emotion. Obviously, Raptor Blues got in the of Chicago that yep. one year. That was our infamous F-bomb-laden one. Yes. Uh, so we've done other ones where things have happened, and then we find out like in news and then kind of record right away, which I think is good sometimes. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's good to take a step back and digest things. Yes. So like we said, Alex Petrangelo officially leaves the St. Louis Blues and signs with the Vegas Golden Knights. He gets a seven-year deal worth $8.8 million a year. Um, we it was basically with no taxes, too, no state taxes. No state taxes. So basic, it's more money than yeah. he would have gotten in St. Louis. So about in St. Louis, the equivalent had to been around 9.6. Right. So pretty substantial considering the Blues were offering eight years, $8 million. Right. I think I think there's rumor he went up to 8.25 was the rumor. Right. Because I know initially a lot of Blues fans were upset because it was a year less and minimally more. And what you hit on is, is the difference is that he's not going to be taxed nearly as much because there's no state income tax in Nevada. So his take-home pay is more off of that contract than it would have been with the deal with St. Louis. Like you said, the Blues would have had to gone probably up to like 9.2 in order to have equal take-home pay. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Because I'll be honest, is Petrangelo an $8 million player a year? I can make the argument for it. Is he so. a nine, ten million dollar player a year? I don't know if he is. For I think for the short term, I answer yes. But since yeah, the contract, yeah. since the contract is going to be for at least eight years, could you swallow? You're eight paying year? for the front end of that, correct? And what you kind of how the contract's laid out here. Um, so the, obviously the salary cap hits eight point eight million through twenty twenty seven. He got the one thing which I kind of we. I mean I'm, I can't remember if we talked about this exactly or not. But we'll talk about it now. The no movement clause. He got full right. no, full no movement clause, meaning he has to be protected. Well, the Vegas does not have to participate in the expansion draft, so right. that doesn't really affect that. So Which I, honestly, I think it's kind of BS. Yeah. Well, because remember when you had expansion teams back in the day, like the Ottawa Senators, right. San Jose Sharks, they were pretty much the bottom of the league. They were trash. They, they were trash for the first handful of years, so you don't want to lose any kind of decent players you might have accumulated. Right. The way the rules were set up this time, because they are paying so much money up front. They basically 
mm-hmm. got a lot of second line players or cast offs. Well, and- let's be honest. They got Mark Andre Fleury, who was jettisoned. I'm going to say maybe a little prematurely by Pittsburgh. Yeah, because Mur- uh, Murray just won them. I think just won them a their second cup with yeah, Matt Murray. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. So, so I mean, you're not going to get rid of Matt Murray, but at the same time, like. Flurry was not done by any means. So yeah, it's just like salary cap thing, and right. End, so they basically so they they lucked out and had a damn good, damn good goaltender, which is up until now has always been the the beef with Vegas is great up front, great in net, crap on defense. Yep, and they got about they got a bunch of guys that were like guys who were never got they were basically miscast on other teams or just younger guys who haven't got a chance to really shine. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Tuck was. Guy got injured and still kind of working his way into the Minnesota lineup. Look and, at some of the and William Carlson prospects. Yeah, William Carlson. William Carrier's on that team. Yep, and he was a uh, miscast like Buffalo and then moved yep. over. So yeah, so a lot of different players they got for obviously nothing, nothing. So they don't have that. So Petro goes there, shores up their line, but they had to do a bunch of trades. Boy, did they! They had new Nate Schmidt, who was pretty much one of the most popular players on a team. Probably at the time, probably their. You make an argument as their best defenseman that they had. Maybe second best. And they had moved into Vancouver for a third-round pick for virtually for nothing. nothing because they, Please had to take this cap. they had to take the cap hit because yeah. they're way over. They couldn't even sign them until they made this move because they were so much over. Uh, the no-movement clause is what I was getting to. But Petro said that was very important to him because of the whole he wants to keep his family at one spot and this and this. And I made the argument with you that it's very interesting how important that was to him. Apparently, the Blues offer that near the end of the contract, which right. to me makes sense because you're an older player. Of course. And you, and you don't want to move when you've been there that long. But then they were saying, like, you see Nate Schmidt, who had a no-trade clause, and basically they had to – they tried right. to move him to Florida, and that, and he shot that down. And then they basically got stu- – basically they had to go to Vancouver for whatever sure. they would give him. And Vancouver now is looking even better. Vancouver so. looks dangerous good. So – the no moon clause is weird to me because if he's he is and he is such an elite player, why would Blues even entertain the thought yeah, of getting I'm with rid you. of him unless there's some weird dramatic, which there could be some weird dramatic Stranger drop off. Stranger crap has happened. Yeah, and I guess that's why it's there. But part of me is like, I wouldn't imagine that kind of happening, especially with a guy who's been, you know, for now, for him, knock on wood, been pretty decently healthy most of his career. I guess what you're doing is protecting yourself from a situation, and let's just. I mean, let's let's just play crazy GM. If for some reason Connor McDavid says, "I want out of Edmonton," yeah, you know, it, it protects him from the Blues going. We'll give you Petrangelo. Yeah, which I get, but you're right. Like, what are the odds of that happening? Yeah, it's very odd to me. So that and the other big thing, which, and once again, I, I step back now. Originally, this this is the part that really bugged me was the signing bonus money because it never seemed to me like he's a big like money guy. Right. And so basically most of this contract, about 53% of it, is signing bonus money. Because it keeps it off the cap. Yeah. Well, the cap stays there. But basically, yeah, basically if you – it basically makes this guy's whole contract uh, like uh, buyout proof. Right. Because you're only buying out the, the actual salary. salary. You're, not you're not buying, buying out, out the bonus. bonus. The first two years, um, he's only going to pay $2 million a year the first right. two years. So right. then after, and then – after that is all signing, pretty much signing bonus from near the end. I think the last year is the only year they have a full salary. Yeah. So basically, and they can't because they have no movement clause. No movement clause you can buy out. 
Right. That's the only way they can get rid of him. It's the last year of the contract, and then by that time he'll be thirty-eight years old. Right. I mean, look, he's he's not going anywhere, um, and I, I'm not angry at him for taking the deal. And we discussed this at length in the last two podcasts. I think what's interesting to me is, and we talked about this a little bit, is there was for sure a public affairs appeal by his agents to play on the emotions of fans mm-hmm. and pressure Armstrong into giving Petro the deal. You know, it was the, you know, he wants to stay here and you know, he doesn't really want to go. And They really did a lot of public... Um, like, please sign me, please yeah. sign me. Yeah, like they, they did a lot more public pandering than you typically see in an ongoing free agent negotiation. Probably in anything we've seen from at least the blue side of things. Right. Price, like we made last time, it's Albert Pujols pretty much. The, right. And that even wasn't really that public. No, it was like a couple of things here and there. Right. It was pretty private. Um, like we said, back is, you know, was, you know, they kind of knew it was like his last game. He kind of knew it was his last game because the Blues made their offer and, right. you know, he knew he wasn't going to um, sign. But, but it just seemed like. The agent side really pandered to the audience and, and tried to go the court of public opinion route to get the deal done with the Blues. What I found interesting was, I think it was, um, was it Andy Strickland? Who, yes. a couple days after the deal, commented that he thought... Or Petro told him. That's what the yeah. thing is. So Petrangelo told him. That it seemed like by the time they got to the bubble, Petro had pretty much made up his mind that he was going to go elsewhere. That he was excited about the prospect of playing somewhere else for another team. For a new challenge. Right. I get it. I do. I understand that. I think there is an innate desire on a lot of uh, athletes to, well, I've already done everything I can do here. Let's go somewhere else and do it again. And uh, Vegas is one of those teams where he, he very well could put Vegas over the top. He could. Yeah, which with um, Vegas, obviously, never won a cup. So, right. once again, to bring in a cup to somewhere that hasn't won a sure. cup. Sure. You know? um, I just find it interesting that Strickland never reported that during the process. I get why he didn't, because if he did – and then the deal happens with the Blues. He ain't never getting any information from Petro again. No, already so I understand that. But it's like, you know, this is this is the dirty side of sports, man. You know, it, it, were they using the Blues to get the best possible offer from another team? That's possible. Would he have ever really signed back with St. Louis? Had Armstrong come to the table and said, "Here's nine million a year for eight years and a full no movement," does he take that deal? Or does he still just want to get out and do something else? It's it's very interesting, and I found that to be, I guess maybe as a Blues fan, the the backhanded slap on the way out, just because it's like were you were you just using us to get a better deal from Vegas? Because it sure seems like he knew he was going to Vegas. Yeah, because there's rumors of tampering, right. and that's uh, that's kind of died down quite a bit it after has. everything. Uh, so real quick, I'll just do a quick quote that which you kind of alluded to a little bit. Um, the owner of the Vegas Gold Knights, mm-hmm. Bill Foley, or at least the kind of figure right. guy, 
he made the comment that winning the Stanley Cup has made him hungrier to do it again, so the commitment to winning is certainly a really big factor in his choosing to come here in this stage of his career. So part of me, like, also stuff like that bugged me because I'm like, we're still a good team. Sure. And still have a lot of guys that are hitting their prime and have a couple, you know, some decent young players. So we're not like some crap team you're like no. leaving. So part of that's like, as a fan, of course, you're like, well, screw you then. Like, right. you know, it's like, but, you know, Armstrong made the comment. He said, we had some really good conversations and we just couldn't get anything done. Uh, team offered a maximum length of eight-year extension. He said there's no good or bad person in this. It's just the business side of it. And I agree. I agree with that 100%. You know, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this as we talk about the signings the Blues made. I think that the one thing you have to credit Doug Armstrong with is that he has never, ever put one player above the team. And he has always done, at the end of the day, what is best for the St. Louis Blues. In this case, it was, you know, there were really three big defensemen in free agency. Um, one was Petrangelo, one was Tory Krug, and one was, um, what's his name, he went to Seattle, or not to, uh, to Toronto. Um, Brody. Yes, uh, TJ Brody. And... You know, you, you have that safety net when there's two of them. Or when, when you have the two guys besides the one that was on your team in play. As soon as Brody signed his deal with uh, Toronto, I would say maybe an hour later, two hours later, mm. the official news came that the Blues signed Tory Krug to a seven-year deal. Yeah. Now, Scotty Upshaw earlier in the day tweeted out, if the Blues don't think they can get Petro, don't be surprised if they make a strong push for Tory Krug. Um, now, also with that, you know, if you listen to Tory Krug, he had no idea St. Louis was an option until that morning. Yeah, but he said eleven o'clock, yeah. basically St. Louis time, and the deal was announced. What you, what we say, five, six o'clock, five, six o'clock. Yeah, so a whole deal came together in six, six hours. hours, about. Um, what that tells you, what it tells me is, number one, St. Louis is still a destination that players want to come to. Number two, Armstrong knew he wasn't going to get Petrangelo. And number three, he couldn't wait around anymore because TJ Brody was gone, which mm-hmm. meant he was one player away from having nothing. Yeah. Losing a top player. Right. And like we talked about last time, you're right now, no Vladimir Tarasenko. Nothing. So... Your, two, um, your best offensive player, you know, and your best defenseman might be gone the same offseason. Right. That's a massive blow to your Stanley Cup hopes. And I know a lot of Blues fans thought that Petrangelo left because he felt disrespected by the Krug signing. And I was like, that's not how it worked. It said it caught him off guard. He did apparently. That that. is BS. I see. That I is B. That is, again, pandering to the public. I think that maybe the Justin Falk deal caught him off guard. Yeah. That I'll, I'll grant him. Yeah. But, dude, there's no way, no way that that Tory Krug deal caught him off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, you, I think Doug Armstrong played this as masterfully as he could have. He wanted to keep Petro. He desperately wanted to keep him in the fold. But as the hours ticked by – and they couldn't get a deal done. 
and you saw players coming off the board of free agency, he made the move that had to be made to protect the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, which want to be in a really good Tory Krug is not a schmuck. He's yeah. a damn good player. Yeah, and we'll be honest, and we're not not nothing against Tory Krug there, but obviously it's obvious a step down from but yeah. him. But that's your next – you literally got the next best possibility to replace 100% him. 100% of the players available, you got the next best option. Which you got to give Armstrong credit as much as people – and I think that's kind of what it, we talked about last time, how it turned into – People being really kind of like, oh, you're not signing Petro. Like, screw you, Armstrong. And then all of a sudden, the Krug thing happened. Yeah. And people were like, oh, my God. Like, you know, obviously, because he was on Boston. Obviously, right. what happened. Well, oh, my God. You're like, screw you, blah, blah. Like, we got Krug instead of now. You're, you threw away our captain, the only guy, the first guy to touch the Stanley Cup. And that so means on nothing. And so so on yeah. and so forth. But, yeah. Then slowly throughout the day, I was like, well, uh, you know, Krug, well, Krug, Krug who's not bad. And then by the end of the day, I was like, a Krug and Pareko pairing might be pretty badass at the end of the day. Which yeah. I think – and this is the other thing we'll get to real quick before we move on is this is going to force Colton Prego, which you kind of I think we said this last time, Step to up. be. But if you if you think you're going to be a number one defenseman in this league, which a lot of Blues fans think he can be, and I yep. I'm one I of do those. Too. This is the moment now. You have this is this is now officially. You know you're going to be a number one guy now. You're going to be in the first pairing. It's him and Falk. It's their time to step up. You and know? then also Justin Falk. You and how it's like. We gave, now you're the one who struggled being in the third pairing and kind of having the weird pairings all last yep. year. Now you're going to be kind of on to be the guy. Yeah, you're the point guy now. Yeah, you're going to be – I think he'll get more power play time now. Don't get me wrong. Tory Crew is going to be great having an official I power totally play. I totally agree. Like, that's where a lot of his points come from. As much as we – you know, the power play is always a very streaky thing for us where we can very score so. like – it's like no matter what we score, and then we'll go like five or six games looking like we don't know what to do. Right. So hopefully having somebody like a power play quarterback back, back there like Torrey Krug will be great for the Blues. So Yeah, I think so. I, I do. And, you know, to put a bow on the Petro thing, like it's done. Uh, I have no ill will towards him. Uh, we paid him a lot of money. If you need any kind of Petro jerseys, though, I've, they've been popping up all over on the uh, Facebook Marketplace. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I almost grabbed a one. I was just a second too late at a fan cave was selling there for like 60 bucks really i was just a step behind and just missed it i mean look i have no ill will towards the guy yeah you know we paid hey. him a lot of money he played some damn good years for the blues we got the we, we got a stanley cup we got the i mean and I'm not saying he's gonna be crap when he goes there but i think the prime years we got a good chunk of the prime years out of him i agree he's i think he's going to have three or four solid years in vegas and then I think you'll start to see the erosion. Yeah, which there's yeah, a lot of time player. on those on those legs. Yeah, especially depending on, and also you're playing a different division now. Remember, the, you know, yep. Pacific's gonna be a different division for him. Yeah, uh, and you're playing on top team and stuff. So who knows? Uh, that will be for him too. So uh, Petro officially gone. Captains, which we kind of we got, we, got, we, we went we, over it. We went over it, but we're pretty much guessing Ryan O'Reilly. I would imagine. So which I think that's gonna get revealed along with what we're gonna talk about next. It kind of came out randomly on the ice aesthetics. Aesthetics, that's how we say it. Yeah, aesthetics website, which is a mind you, a fantastic website that has jersey concepts. And they're usually one of the first ones that kind of get jersey news. Yeah, they're they're pretty on top of it when yeah. it comes to jersey. News. So the thing that came out first were the Pittsburgh and Philly. They're called reverse, reverse retro. retro jerseys. So we're like, oh, some teams are doing this next year. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool if the Blues do it. Then slowly, other ones got leaked. Like. You're a big fan of the Vegas one. 
I'm not a big fan. I like you, it better than the gold. The all gold one. They had the all gold third one, but Which like is trash. Correct. But they, this one's kind of like it's red. It's got the shoulder logo as the main logo. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's not my favorite in the world, but I think it's better than their third. Yeah, it's um, it's supposed to take uh, the Las Vegas Thunder was like an independent yeah. team. It's supposed to be like commemorating them, basically. So they have they had theirs, and then um, Anaheim. Anaheim had one, which is like the Mighty it's, Wing coming out of like yep, the ice, which it's is the old Wild Wing one. Which that is a, that's a hard one to find too, man. Well, that jersey is hard to find. The only th- difference between the two is back in the nineties, the Wild Wing jersey is arguably considered the ugliest NHL jersey of all time. Correct. I think it gets a bad rap, personally. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it was teal with white shoulders, and it had a Disney cartoon wild wing duck flying out of the ice holding a goalie stick. Yeah, kind of you guys remember there was short-lived, there was a Mighty Ducks like cartoon yep. where there was like, kind of like five ducks yes. or whatever. So it's kind um, of take off of that. So, so it's the, it's the exact same jersey, only instead of being teal, it's like orangish red. Orangish red, yeah. Which I told you, I, I'm noticing a, a common theme with a lot of these reverse retros. Mm. There's a lot of red. A lot of red so far. A lot of red so far. So uh, on this one winds up being, which I did check this today, apparently it's their third jersey now for Dallas. That is the greatest jersey in the NHL already. It's uh, the I'd say they call it their blackout jersey, where it's like yeah. black and then everything trim is like neon. So if you green, look at it, if you look up a picture of downtown Dallas at night, yeah, there is one building. I forget the name of the building, but it is outlined all four corners and then the tiered roof in neon green lights. Mm-hmm. It's a huge state. It is to the Dallas skyline with the arches to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So what they basically did was took that concept. And put it onto a jersey. Those jerseys look like they are straight up out of Tron. Yeah. They look like they should glow in the dark. Which is pretty bright, and they might. So that was the one that came out at least yesterday. I yeah, think yesterday. I am 100% buying that jersey. And then we're recording on the 29th, a couple of days before Halloween. So that one was out. Uh, a couple of rumors of ones came out. The one that was rumored and wound up being false oh, the was sharks. the Sharks one. But it was basically the California Golden Seals jersey. But it said Sharks instead of Seals. Yeah. Which... God, if that, if that was been it, real. that would have probably oh. been a really good one. That, but it was not a real one, unfortunately. Right. So, but the thing that came out is all 30 te- 31 teams will have we'll a have reverse one. retro. So that means the Blues will have some kind of reverse retro. So my guess is, if it doesn't get leaked before then, the rumor was today um, from the Aesthetics website that the NHL will probably do a full reveal of all 31 teams mid-November. Right. Like right before kind of the Black Friday shopping. Mm-hmm. So then kind of pre-order and stuff and whatever. So I bet you you'll get a Blues type one then. Uh, I really don't know what they're going to do. My gut tells me that um, that they're going to do something with the um, what I call the Brett Hall era jersey, the late mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s. Yeah. The one before the clown jerseys. Okay. My wild card. You kind of brought it up, and I... I My wild card in this whole thing? Mm-hmm. The trumpet jersey. Oh, yeah. Put, like, the trumpet on the front or whatever? No, oh, the, no the really crappy... The one that one, never yeah. got released? Yeah. That's my wild card. That's your crazy one? Well, the other one you brought up the other day is, like, if they would use one of the old designs and put, like, remember, 
the old navy third jerseys that had the crest. Yeah, I, I I'll tell you right now. I know that Stillman hates that jersey because it's a because uh, it's Checkets. Checkets era. If they would do a white version of that jersey, it would sell out like that. Oh yeah, that was such a popular jersey amongst fans and critics alike. No one hated that jersey. No. Yeah. If they did a white or road version, whatever you want to call it, version of that jersey with the circle crest with the arch and the blue note mm. in it, it would it would go over like crazy. My guess I is I just don't know if Stillman will let it happen. My guess is um I'm guessing a white jersey is my guess. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about possibly like the trumpet is the center. Right. And then have the blues the logos on the shoulder pads type thing so kind of reverse possibly kind of reverse i reverse obviously reverse retro kind of do that now so we'll see the one thing that i hold back is because i still think it's going to be their winter classic jersey i think their winter classic jersey will eventually be the white clown jersey yeah the supposedly minnesota's reverse retro was north stars it's supposed to be some kind of north stars yeah theme so that'd be interesting if that kind of wouldn't they have to clear that with dallas so technically, Dallas still owns that. I would think trademark. they have to. But I think, uh, but I think they would like they can do like I guess the colors and look. Yeah. But not like they couldn't use the N. Now, Dallas. I'm sorry. Minnesota has had an outdoor game before, just not a Winter Classic, correct? Stadium series, yeah. And didn't they for their alumni game use North Star jerseys? They did. Yeah. Okay. So I think they had to get clearance to do that, but they did. So as we lean into that, so it's called a segue. So the 2021 Winter Classic. Postponed. Nine weeks away. Postponed? Oh, wait. No, it's not. Yeah. So they, um, a couple of news and notes from that. So they officially canceled the All-Star game and the – Well, they won't use the term canceled. They say postponed. Postponed. So the other thing which came out of this which was interesting is – so they basically said Minnesota gets the All-Star – the excuse me, the Winter Classic is postponed for a year. Right. They're, they're hoping to have it next year. The thing is, they're not guaranteeing the Blues going to be the opponent in 2022. I didn't read that. Though that was – Chris Zimmerman did an interview uh, with, I believe, Jeremy Rutherford after that and kind of talked about it. He says, we have every indication that we will be the opponent still, but, you know, like they you know, also said, like, you know, we're kind of waiting and see how things play out. Because, obviously, the point of having Winter Classic is twofold. Obviously, outdoor game, the fans also make the game, too, having a full stadium. Having right. an empty stadium and having an outdoor game. 100% doesn't really agree do anything plus the amount of money it brings in too because yes. of fans because i mean as we well know the tickets the winter classic not cheap not cheap for even okay seats for okay right. seats are pretty pretty pricey and for right. good seats which are the up high seats are 450 500 bucks a yeah. piece so it's a huge money maker so having zero fans mm-hmm. as now apparently the cardinals are saying you have no fans is going to affect how they do things oh yeah so no winter classic no all-star game they said they hope to have the start of the season around January 1st. Mm-hmm. The rumor came out after that when Bill Foley, the uh, Vegas owner, talked about Petrangelo and just kind of started spewing stuff out, which I probably shouldn't have been leaked out, but he did, saying that they're looking to possibly start February 1st and do a 56-game schedule, and they're going to realign all the leagues. So basically with the border being closed, all the Canadian teams will be in one league, right. basically one division. And then it'd be by like um, geography, right? So everybody on the I've West Coast, everybody on the West Coast would be there. The Blues would be kind of lumped in with Chicago, Columbus, Tampa, Tampa, Nashville, Florida, and what Carolina? Carolina, too, I believe too. And then everybody up north obviously is lumped in there because yeah. they're all next to each other, right? So we'll see what happens. 
I mean, outside outside that whole interview, nothing's really leaked out about that. And they talked about doing bubbles, possibly, where right. they have four bubbles set up and teams go there for like two weeks, play a bunch of games back-to-back, and then they go home for a week, <laughs> and then they go back out. Right. So we'll see with, uh, obviously, cases are spiking once again, at least uh, in the here in St. Louis once again. Well, nationally, it's, it's – I think nationally, it's most states are spiking right now. I'm just holding out hope. I mean, hope that something will happen, but I'm also a realist, too, that... Oh, sure. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So, sure. I think that I think sports is going to fall to by the wayside Could. as things happen. So, because obviously, uh, we talked about it upstairs quick. The World Series ended last night, yep. and the big thing talked about was Justin Turner having COVID, Boy, running back dumb. on the field and kissing his wife, hanging out with players, jumping, hugging. No mask. No mask. So, that's, I think, going to be detrimental to not only MLB, but I think oh, I don't disagree. everybody else. And it's not because NHL. NHL, uh, the Women's Hockey League, the WNBA, the NBA, uh, all those leagues, I mean, the Women's Soccer League as well, all had no tests when they did a bubble. So all those teams did such a good job. And then you have this guy basically going to possibly throw a wrench into everybody's plans. Yeah. I I mean, it's selfish. I get it. It's selfish. Oh, yeah. So, reverse retros. We talked about possibly the captain. I think it'd be a good idea to have the captain reveal. You get two and one. You get the reverse where you get the jersey. Yeah, the captain reveal. I think all oh, that'll be all wrapped. I would I would think that'd be all wrapped into one. And I I lean towards Ryan O'Reilly with the dark horse being Braden Shen. Yeah. I agree. So two more news and notes. We'll go with the not so great one, and then we'll go with the sad, but you know, you know, I guess happy. What do you want to say? So the bad one. Arizona Coyotes continue to be a dumpster fire. Oh, yes. So, uh, they had their highest draft pick this year because, remember, they traded some and they lost picks because mm-hmm. of everything we ta- we kind of talked about in another podcast. Their fourth-round pick, it was the highest pick they had this year. Yep. So, drafted a kid called Mitchell Miller. So, 111th overall. Uh, they're like, okay, we'll see. You know, there's, he's an 18-year-old whatever. So, apparently, there's rumors that he, uh, you know, was bullying some kid in the past around draft time or whatever. Well, the rumor came out of all the stuff he did. And it was not only he did it when he was 14, but he continued to do it, at least up until like a year ago, according to the article that I was reading. And it was also a uh, not only a uh, African-American kid, but also a kid with mental disabilities. Which is neat. So, uh, so That uh, is your top draft pick. That is your top draft pick. So... They initially came out when the whole thing kind of started coming out. They're like, we're going to stand by him. We've done our research or whatever. Oh, they quickly reversed their uh, life came at them fast today. So they uh, outrage was quick, and they quickly renounced the rights to him uh, today. So he is a, officially a free agent to can try and continue his career. That's going to be super hard to do with NHL. So Welcome to the AHL or I maybe am. the KHL. Probably the KHL. You know, they seem to they've taken, uh, well, what's his name? Slava Kozlov. Not Slava Kozlov. Slava, uh, what's his name? Get an emergency seat. Voinov. Uh, the guy who was on L.A. who beat his wife or threw him into a TV. Right. Yeah. So. Get an extra row seat. Yeah. So, yeah. There's not much to really say. The guy, the, it's sad. At the end of the day, the, you know, the kid who got bullied, he did, made him, like, do a bunch of, like, awful things. Yeah. And at least go to the Coyotes to 
do that. Uh, to me, it was more like oh, actions cr- have consequences, man. No matter what age you are, I don't care. I agree. I, I saw some people say, "Well, he's just a kid." I'm like, no offense. Like, he's old enough. I uh, it was like up to like I think 16 yeah. when he was doing this. So this like, isn't like two kids in elementary school. Yeah, like th- these There's are kids a, that are old enough to understand repercussions. Yeah, and he should have known better. And then part of me also thinks the Coyotes, if this came out like with just some some reporting by some guys. They could have done this much research. I agree. But also, I'm sure they knew. Yeah, I'm sure they had some idea, and they were just trying to hopefully get underneath the rug. And But it did not. So we talked about the winter class being postponed. We talked about that. One more thing before we move on to uh, something that the St. Louis landed, which will be our last thing we'll mm-hmm. talk about. The sad news, Doc Emmerich. Yeah, man. Retiring. Not even bad. Good for him. Thing. What a great career, but I hate losing him. I, I could listen to Doc Emmerich call a checkers game. He's just like his enthusiasm for hockey was infectious. And the way he called a game, I didn't even need to see the TV. Yep. Like he was just always so excited. And I know there's people who hate it. There's people who are like, oh, well, he hates St. Louis because he's always getting excited whenever, you know, Boston or Chicago. No. Listen to him call a game. He gets just as excited for both teams. It's a national broadcast. Like he's he did good. a masterful job, no matter where he did. Like no matter what team he called. Yep. I always thought like that was one of the few announcers where I was like, he's a neutral guy. One hundred percent. Like and like mind you, in NBC, you go outside of Doc Emmerich, and you're just like, you know, you had the Jeremy Roenicks here, just like okay, he hates doesn't like St. Louis, and you had um. Milbury, who was like a huge Boston guy during the finals right. and never gave St. Louis credit during that whole series. And he just, you know, and also it's Mike Milbury. But uh, Doc Ember called it down the middle, man. He was, and he was awesome in just like the, uh, the last call, like the last 30 seconds of game seven. Yeah. Just the way he called it was just like stuff that you'll always, you'll get, that clip will like be embedded into my mind forever. He, he, he has called. My three favorite Blues moments of all time. It's obviously Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Game 7 in 2016 against Chicago. Mm-hmm. That Troy Brower goal call still gives me chills. Mm-hmm. And he called the 93 Game 4 overtime and went against Chicago. That's right, he did. Um, and it's just... I, I just I can close my eyes and hear those calls and I get goosebumps. Um, you know, he totally has earned the ability to ride off into the sunset. I selfishly hate it because they won't replace that voice. Oh, you can't. He's just, he is as much a part of hockey as Harry Carey was for baseball as Chick Buck, Hearn was Jack for the Buck. Lakers. Yeah. You know, like he, you know, he's just, he, he is um John Madden for football like he's mm-hmm. that guy like he's that voice of like would you think classic play by play for a sport would you think of hockey Stock Emmerich the Olympics uh the Stanley Cup like all of it it's all doc and it was so good every game yeah and it's one of those things too where when he retired and you just saw not one Tweet, no, nothing posted online of people were just like, oh, good riddance. Nothing. Not one. I mean, you could look through, everybody was like, oh, it sucks that he's going, but like, what a career. And like, not, not, you, or 
people had stories about him how he would go out of his way to talk to people. I think there's one I saw somebody on Twitter where he's an announcer. I, he posts a lot of the gifts for the Blues. I think Cristiano right. something. I don't, I don't have it off the top of my head. And he talked about how Doc Emmerich said, "Hey, you know, send me an email with some of your calls, and I'll listen to them, and I'll send you some feedback back." Which yeah. you don't have to do for like a, like anybody. Not when you're Doc freaking Emmerich. You know, you could just do like, oh, nice to meet you, and do whatever. Like the one thing I always look back on when the Blues had a uh, Barkley, and then remember when they first had him, he was playing with the puck, and then yeah. he, then they had that, that, that follow periods. In between periods, they always had, and then they had Doc Emmerich playing with Barkley, and then just like there was something right there. I remember that moment because that's when like it kind of clicked for my daughter to like really get into hockey, like seeing, and she was like, "Oh, who's that?" And I said, "Oh, it's that guy." And then so every time she recognized that guy and I said that voice, she knew it was that guy calling the game compared right. to John Kelly. And she's like, oh, that guy who was playing with Barkley. And right. so every time she heard, that on the, or heard him on the playoffs in 2019, that's the question I got. Right. So it was one of those things where just little stuff like that and it just made a little impression on her to the point where now she knows that voice. He humanized the game. Yeah. He made it more than just X's and O's and stats. Like he brought humanity to the players. He brought humanity to the game. Um, the video thing that he released the day he announced his retirement. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Like it was basically like him reading his goodbye letter to the fans. Yeah. And it's like it pulls at your heart because you're like, oh, we're never going to have him back. But he's just so good, man. To me, the next guy on the list, as far as like iconic hockey guys who their enthusiasm you can't help but pick up on, is Darren Pang. Mm-hmm. Darren Pang is just as emotional in his calls as Doc Emmerich was. And I used to love when you'd have Doc and Pang together. Yeah. I, that, that's my dream team. Yeah. Always has been. Those two guys. Whatever they're doing, whatever game it was, I don't care if it was Chicago versus Detroit where I wish a bomb would fall on that arena and kill both teams. I'll watch that game if those guys are calling the game. Yeah, so I was sad to see him go. And then I'm, I'll try to put the clip at the end of the podcast here if I can pull it. The one the Blues posted where it was like all of Doc's like big calls throughout Blues history. Right. The Blues posted it on their Facebook page. Yep. Uh, and Twitter and stuff. And it's really just – It's really good. It's an awesome call. So I'll try to get that on the end of the podcast here. Yeah. So, last thing I wanted to bring up is something the St. Louis actually landed, which yes. is something they've been trying to do for a while, and they lost out a bunch of times, but they finally got it. So, in 2025, so obviously a while Two away. Two years. Which is good yep. for me. Like for COVID's sake. For COVID's sake, it's real good. The Blues landed the Frozen Four. Yep. For St. Louis. Which is great. St. Louis did. So, they finally, you know, obviously all those upgrades mm-hmm. at the Scott Trade Center, or excuse me, Enterprise Center, are right. all paid off. Which is great. So Frozen Four would be a huge boost, and I think that's something that I would love to go. I totally go see that. So that'd be awesome. So also, if you have a brick down there, I saw. I remember seeing it. My, I have to go check out my brick eventually. Is down. There. I did not get one. I, I would, life got in the way. Yeah, I know. So, but I lucked out. So I know they sent us where it's at. So I'm right. Nice. I'm right near. We talked about this. Who's the first statue? The first statue is Federico. Federico. Then McKenna's and Hall. So I'm kind of like right behind the Federico statue. Cool. So go check that out. So anyway. Uh, that's about it we have for this one. So right now, I guess we're just kind of waiting. It's the dark period. It's the like usual off season where you're kind of yep. figuring out. So we're going to try to do uh, – you might see us pop up here and there, but pretty much we're just kind of wait and see. Sure. Hopefully 
they'll get something coming, you know, something going, and we get some more news about when the season will officially start. Uh, I know the NBA talked there's rumors that they're going to start up around uh, right before Christmas. Uh, I heard that the player said hell no to that. Yeah, so I did see the uh, AHL did a temporary did a um, real quick on my notes. The AHL said they were February fifth. All right, so that's the AHL. So I don't know if that's got an indicator there about what they're thinking February first. Maybe. Maybe. But like I said, I, I, I truly don't think you're going to see fans in stands this, again this year. I would, well, be sho- I would be shocked. Yeah. I, I, I know say, that the blue season ticket holders are starting to make moves. Uh, it hasn't come down to my level yet. But, like, I know full season and half season have been able to pick their seats. Yeah. So, I think they're they may be getting things ready, but I don't – I just don't know. Like I'm just, I'm trying to be a negative Nancy about it or anything, but I just. I think if you see San, if if you see fans, it's going to be greatly reduced. Yeah, because I know. Let's see what footballs will do. I know Kansas City's one of them that's been yep. doing it, which is surprising considering how it is in Missouri right Agreed. now. Agreed. Jacksonville, obviously, mm-hmm. because they do. Uh, what's his name? Uh, AEW has been doing. Yes, but they're also in the same facility as uh, Jacksonville, so it makes sense. So. That's our all wrestling talk for there. So that's about it for us for this uh, this podcast. So. so if you get a hold of us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL. Chris is at at Hossapalooza. Uh, if you get a hold of us on Facebook or Instagram, it's at Blues Hockey Podcast. Uh, also, if you want to look on our website, it has all our podcast has a place to buy all our shirts, which uh, be on the lookout for another for our new logo. So we had yep. to do another quick redesign, which I think uh, me and Chris are going to look at it tonight. I dig it. And I think we're going to – should be up hopefully by the time you listen to this. But if not, it'll be on its way soon. So um, you have the merchandise there, the Blues Hall of Shame, which yep. we still – we didn't – I didn't think about doing one tonight. I yeah, we need like, to do one next time. So maybe we'll work on doing one before uh, the season starts, just for mm-hmm. heck of it. Uh yeah, and all the links to everything you ever want, every show we've ever done is there. So go ahead and check it out, blueshockeypodcast.net or .com. So if you listen to the podcast, you can also find links to that on the website. It's Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, Anchor, and a bunch of other ones. So yep. any, any other social medias that you uh, want to promote real quick? I think you've hit them all. Yeah. Uh, no, we're not going to do grinder with no uh, grinder. No, with COVID, we were we're yeah. gonna, we've deactivated. No OnlyFans. We're deactivating everything right now, just with COVID, just Correct. to keep it, you know, keep it safe for everybody. So, yep. And the season starts up, we'll, we'll reactivate everything and let you go. So Correct. For right now, we'll we'll keep it on the uh, keep everybody safe. So, uh, thanks for listening this week, and uh, hopefully, we'll talk to everybody soon. See ya. Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Emmerich from 1401 Clark Street in St. Louis. I'm back to Bush Stadium. Big hit by Lowry. Hawks that back off and Janney. Put one in front. Score! An emotional end. Since 87, when the first round became best of seven, only two division champions have been swept four straight in the first round. A sweep. For the Blues. Now Hall. Well, the new one is aluminum, isn't it? Yes, Hall it over is. to Duchesne. Hall scores! Oh, baby. Oh, it's hat day here in St. Louis. There's a thousand hats on the ice. 25th, 26th, and 27th of the year in the span of almost 11 minutes. Stasty nicely able to pull away. Got it to Fabry, side of the net. Save, rebound, score! Brower! 
Tarasenko shooting. He scores! Tarasenko again! It's their first one, and they made it a lasting memory for sure. Came back along to Gunnarsson once more. They've got Sundquist set up at the opposite circle. Across to Gunnarsson, a shot, he scores! The Blues win it in overtime and have even the series. And then the Blues at the bench are realizing that they are going to be champions. Ten seconds to go. The longest wait for a first title any team in this league has had. For the first time in their history, the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions.